Dracula, home for many centuries to a dreadful dynasty of vicious vampire ducks, the Counts of Dracula. Legend has it that these foul beings can be destroyed by a stake through the heart or exposure to sunlight. This does not suffice, however, for they may be brought back to life by means of a secret rite that can be performed once a century when the moon is in the talk about retro horror and sci-fi television. My name is Allison, and with me are my co-hosts, Drew. Hello. Andy. Hello. And Val. Hi. And we're doing our annual animated episode review, where uh, for this year, we've chosen Count Decula. And if you were a kid in the late 80s, early 90s, you may have seen this show. Um, It was on Nickelodeon. And it originally was created by a British team uh, known as Cosgrove Hall Films. And it ran from 1988 to 1993 for a total of four seasons, or as they refer to them in the UK, series. And there were 65 episodes. And this is a really fun kind of horror-themed comedy cartoon for kids with a lot of both dry and absurdist humor. Um, And you can actually, we're going to go full spoilers when we talk about a few episodes, but this is a type of show that spoiling the plot doesn't really ruin the enjoyment of the episodes, I don't think, because it's not like the Twilight Zone where in our previous episode where you have a lot of twists. This one is one where you are just really kind of enjoying it for the atmosphere and the silly humor and the animation style. Um, so if you don't get a chance to to watch a bunch of, of Count Decula before you listen to this, it's totally fine. But I will let you know, they have an official YouTube channel, so you can watch episodes without feeling guilty or whatever, because that is pretty much, as far as I can tell, the only place to see them. But they have all of the seasons available on an official Count Decula YouTube channel, which I will link in the show notes on our website, which is thehauntedavenport.com. So in case you haven't checked that out, we will have that there. You can watch any of the episodes that we talk about and additional episodes if you like. And yeah, I think we're just going to get right into it. We, for this little review, we watched 
Let's see. I'll just look at my notes really, really quick. Might have to cut that out. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, guys. Um, allergy season has made my brain a little fuzzy. Um, so we actually started off with the very first episode from season one, which is No Sacks, Please, We're Egyptian. And we also watched A Fright at the Opera. And we watched The Count and the Popper. And lastly, we watched let's see The Ghost of uh, Castle, or no, The Ghost of Macastle Decula, as I struggle to read my handwriting. So this was something that I remember watching as a kid on Nickelodeon and really enjoying. And it was originally, um, the character of Count Decula was on the British cartoon Danger Mouse, which was also put out by Cosgrove Hall. Um, and Danger Mouse ran on Nickelodeon. And then, according to what I read on Wikipedia, uh, one of the programming producers from Nickelodeon reached out to them and said, we want more content from you guys. What, do you, what have you got? And um, saw images of Count Decula and wanted a whole series based on Count Decula. So I don't know how accurate that is, but that is what I read. And so I thought what we do before we get in depth with each episode is maybe just talk a little bit about our overall impressions of this cartoon and what we liked about it, maybe what we didn't like about it. Um, had anybody seen it prior to this or heard of it besides me or if everyone was just humoring me? Because, you know, sometimes that happens. I get big <laughs> sister privileges. So, yeah, I would just turn it over to the three of you who... Who wants to jump in? Uh, well, I'll go, because uh, I did watch this as a kid. Um, a lot. Like, <laughs> play Count Duckula, kind of. I'm not sure exactly what we did. But there was definitely some Count Duckula uh, regurgitation of lines and, and dumb Master Duckular things. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, it's like... The bounce around absurd humor, it kind of reminds me a little like Marx Brothery, you know, where it's a lot of wordplay and just goofy and it's fun, you know. I mean, I didn't like remember, remember episodes like we watched those four episodes, but we also just kept letting it autoplay into new episodes. So we watched quite a bit of Count Duckula in the last couple weeks, but um, I didn't remember any of the episodes at all. <laughs> of course, it was also, I was pretty young when I was watching it. That would have been like eight, nine tops. Sure. Well, I had the same experience where like, I remember really liking the show and getting excited whenever it came on, but it... I didn't remember any specific episodes. I'd remembered all of the characters and I remembered the intro to the cartoon that happens every episode, which is the awesome. Most epic intro and um, ever. I remember just the look and feel of the show, but yeah, there wasn't like a standout episode that was like, Oh, this one's my favorite, you know, from when I was a child. So, which makes sense. Cause the episodes are very kind of disjointed and yeah, there's, there's like they've a got plots. There's a plot, but it's not, like, it's kind of not the point. It's just, like, we have, like, this sort of rough outline of a plot, but we're just going to make a bunch of jokes throughout. It's just, it's, it just seems like a series of gags and and then, you know, bad puns and things. Yeah, and who might you be? 
So I thought I should just <laughs> run down some of the main characters that you see through the show as we get into it. So the centers around Count Decula. He is a vampire duck, um, but he turned through a mishap in, in the conjuring of his his resurrection. As you see in the intro of every cartoon, he turns out to be a vegetarian, which is to the dismay of his his servant uh, Igor, who really wants him to be evil and tries to encourage him to be evil. But he's just kind of more concerned with he liked to be famous. He um, likes money. He likes traveling and he loves vegetables. He's just not he's kind of like a a typical young adolescent, I guess, like how a cartoon duck would be. That's like a young Lord. Like he's a little bit spoiled and, um, and he just kind of runs around oblivious and, and does his own thing, but he's, he's not evil per se. And Igor, his Butler would definitely love, love for him to be more like a traditional vampire. And then the two of them also share the castle with Nanny, who is kind of like, She's dressed in a maid costume, and occasionally you see her dusting things, but she's just sort of there to kind of care for um, Count Decula, and she's very attached to him and calls him Ducky Poo. And she's almost kind of, I didn't read anything that said that she was inspired by Frankenstein's monster, but she very much carries herself like a Frankenstein's monster. She's gigantic, and she constantly instead of using doors burst through walls that's just and so there's always a nanny outline of where she's walked through to the next room she's like oh, i'm coming and then there's just like this big <laughs> crash um so there's just kind of a recurring gag with her and then there's a recurring uh sort of villain dr von Gooswing, who's supposed to be a van helsing type and he's kind of bumbling and that's he's not in every episode but he's he's in quite a few so they'll come up and then just like a barrage of other side characters and they're also which I was really fond of and had completely forgotten from childhood these two little little bats that come out of a haunted cuckoo clock that tell jokes in most of the episodes they just like it's like a little comic relief from the comic <laughs> the comic cartoon I don't know they and they make little little jokes and um kind of like snide comments it's sort of like you have your um you have the old men on the Muppet show. It's it's kinda like that and they're really cute. And then there's like a weird little laugh track too, which is always always interesting, especially for a children's show. Yeah, because so. they're like they're like borscht belt comedians. Yeah. Like in Soviet Russia, you know, like stuff like that. And they're so funny. <laughs> Well, I love the idea of a haunted little cuckoo clock, too, because we've actually, that's something Drew and I have talked about making just to have because we love Halloween and we love Halloween decorations. And we thought, how cool would it be to have like a spooky cuckoo clock where different creepy things come out? Um, and so it's just, it's, I'd completely forgotten that that was part of this cartoon. And so when it happened, I was like, oh, yeah, these guys is definitely something that I loved as a, ch as a child. So I'm guessing you two didn't see it growing up because I think it would have been off the air by the time you were watching TV. Yeah, I have no memory of this and didn't know what it was when Allison suggested it. Um, but, you know, that's usually the case for me with this podcast. Um, unless it happened from 1996 on, there's a chance that I have no idea what it is. Right, because you would have been way too young to remember 
Unless yeah, because I think something really bad when you're like a toddler. <laughs> right. Like series three came out the year I was born, but I think that only series one ever like played in the United States anyways. So like by the time I was going to be like remembering what Nickelodeon had to offer, I'm sure Count Ducula was already off the air. Yeah, most likely. Yeah, I'd uh, I've heard of it, and I think I've seen a few episodes here and there, but I'd never watched it as a kid. I I have no memories growing up of this. Well, it started the year you were born. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, and I I was eight when it came out, so I was right at the right age to have seen it and also remember it. And I I had watched Danger Mouse prior to that too. Um, so I just There's I don't know. I was, some- Oh, oh, go ahead. I was just gonna say I was really into Nickelodeon as a young kid. It was um, now I've gotten the impression. I mean, obviously it's not targeted towards adults, but um, whenever I've like seen content from Nickelodeon now, it it really seems like it was trying to be more like the Disney Channel. But it was back in the '80s. It was very quirky, and there were a lot of, and also into the early '90s, there was a lot of just really different programming you wouldn't have seen other places and strange animation and um they'd have like little animated shorts that they would have sometimes between main shows but it was definitely its own thing you know it was kind of like more like early mtv like it was just a little bit more um more renegade and creative and less corporate yeah, it's it, early Nickelodeon had a lot of shows that were like weird and subversive in a lot of ways too. Like mm-hmm. Pete and Pete is not Ren a show. And Stimpy. Yeah, Ren and Stimpy. Totally. Uh, the, the Rugrats is like a cartoon, like a kids show, but all the adult problems in that show are very like weird and <laughs> I don't know. It's there's just a lot going on in early Nickelodeon. And I agree. I think I'm not sure. I actually haven't watched a lot of Nickelodeon cartoons recently. Um, I, I know I was really fond of the stuff they did with Avatar The Last Airbender, but that's, like, that was oh, in, like, really? 2007 was the last time I really paid attention. Yeah. Yeah, in the early 80s, they had um, You Can't Do That on Television, and then they started out with Double Dare, and and then a little later after that, when they started doing more kids' game shows, they had Legends of the Hidden Temple, which a lot of a lot of people remember, and I think it was actually coming back, strangely. I think I heard that that's kind of cool. Well, no, they're going to bring back the game show. Oh. Yeah, it's coming back. I read, they, I read an article. Did they make a movie that was, like, based on the the general plot of oh, maybe. Legends of the Hidden Temple? Maybe. <laughs> was it based on the Legends of the Hidden Temple? Yeah. <laughs> well, and there was, there was um, I honestly, like, I, I couldn't even tell you. I, I might try to see if I can find some of these, but there were these strange little short cartoons that would sometimes come on between main cartoons. There was this one called Dog Brain, and it just showed this fat dog laying on his side, and he was snoring, and his little leg, his two little legs on the side that were up would, like, go up and down as he would breathe, and then this little bubble would appear over his head, and you'd see that he was, what he was dreaming about, and there was one where, there was this cartoon where it was just kind of, like, a little bit like jazz music and it was these two cats kind of like fighting with each other. Like one cat wanted to be friends with the other and like they'd use the instruments to kind of punctuate the cat's activities and um, their emotions and stuff. And there'd just be, and some of the stuff was, I don't think it was necessarily even created for Nickelodeon. I just think they were collecting short film. Yeah. When Nickelodeon first started, a lot of their content was just like, 
content they found someplace else that nobody <laughs> had bought the rights to yet. Well, I'm trying to find it, figure out if, and I didn't research this because it wasn't directly related to Count Duckula, but um, I'm trying to remember if any of the Bill Plimpton animation, which later you'd find in stuff like Spike and Mike's Sick and Twisted Cartoon Festival or things like that. Um, but he did some kind of family-friendly cartoons as well, and sometimes you'd see his stuff. Um, he did a full feature called Hair High, I believe. But mm. um, yeah, he, he'd do these fun, weird little, sometimes very gross cartoons, and I, I almost think I saw some of them on Nickelodeon as a child. It was definitely that flavor of like, there was weird surrealistic animation sometimes on there. And then there was also just some really good stuff. Like there was the classic David, the gnome cartoon was on there. That was a really good one oh, yeah. um, for anybody who loves nature and fantasy. That was a great kid show. I think I they like... ran the, uh, the Tintin cartoon too on Nickelodeon for a while. Which, oh yeah. Yeah. You definitely would cool. not see anywhere else. Um, I fucking love Tintin. That's a whole nother thing. More F-bombs from Andy. Yeah. Sorry. <laughs> Sorry. But yeah, I think, I think that is, as far as, like, the big three, like, sort of children's programming stations that were on cable when Andy and I were growing up, so, like, Disney, Nickelodeon, and Cartoon Network, Cartoon Network's, like, acquisition of the Warner Brothers properties was really the only reason that I was ever exposed to older cartoons, because they put all of those, like, older Warner Brothers cartoons into syndication, and then eventually, you know, created the Boomerang channel specifically for, like, older cartoons. But oh, right. other other networks didn't really do that. Like, Nickelodeon would do, like, Nick at Night, where they showed, like, the Andy Griffith show and stuff like that. And then, like, Disney did also, like, late night programming where they show, like, the Annette Funicello show or, like, old episodes of the Mickey Mouse Club. So, like, having Insomnia as a little kid, like, was super boring. There was <laughs> It was awful. You're subjected there was nothing to- on. <laughs> the boomer generation like nostalgia hour yeah and it's like oh my god this is so dull i cannot watch this anymore but like See, i Net- also had that but i loved it yeah i really i really loved, Nick <laughs> I at loved Night. old episodes of gilligan's island and oh, i watched i as a little Dick kid i watched Mike. um dobie gillis and that's how i got hooked on bewitched i loved bewitched and they'd have little spoof jokes at the commercial breaks about people writing in letters asking like if Samantha's so powerful why couldn't she make Darren more attractive things like that (laughs) (laughs) it was really fun yeah I know I was like oh poor Dick York um who was the Dick Sergeant uh it was yes anyway nice things for old reference um yeah Dick Dick York is such an animated actor though like he was a really perfect Dan and or Darren because he had such great reactions to whatever was going on kind of like he was like a human cartoon in a lot of ways but um yeah we watched Green Acres um I Dream of Jeannie uh there was was it Petticoat Junction was on there for a while just random stuff but but yeah I know a lot of a lot of TV that was way before my time just because of mostly Nickelodeon it's it's Nick at Night's fault I just like when I was younger and I and I was looking for like entertainment, especially clandestine late night past bedtime entertainment. I just like, <laughs> really liked cartoons. And I think that's why, you know, as far as those stations that I grew up watching goes, uh, Cartoon Network always really resonated with me the most because like Cartoon Network's late night programming was, you know, Adult Swim, where I got introduced to all of the anime that I like. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, Adult Swim. So, Adult Swim was groundbreaking and still is. 
Yeah. Anyways, so master should, yeah, we should get back. We should get back on track. But yeah, it was just kind of fun thinking about Nickelodeon and the time at which this was on Nickelodeon for sure, because it's just it was when Nickelodeon was a maverick. In the it, field. Well, it was just right? interesting, interesting television that you would never find on cable today. So I don't know. I mean, we could go in order of when these originally aired. I don't as far as like breaking down each episode. And I mean, talking about them a little we bit. Watched them. Kind yeah. of, sort of. Um, I, I, I was confused about the order of some, so we just sort of jumped around. But um, if you if you guys are down, we can just talk about the first, the very first episode, the No Sex Please, We're Egyptian, um, which originally aired um, September 1988, on the 6th of September 1988. Sorry, uh, and it this one. The title, I did not know this because I would have been too young to get the joke, but um, actually a lot of the jokes in these episodes would have gone way over my head as a child, but I appreciate them as an adult. Um, It's a reference to a 1973 British comedy, which was No Sex, Please, We're British. So, (laughs) you know, parents watching this with their kids or coming into the room while their kids were watching this back in, in 1988 would have gotten a little chuckle out of out of some of these. Um, so in this plot, we're introduced to the characters and they, um, they end up the the castle, Castle Dracula is magical and it can be used to transport everybody inside the castle to different times and places. And so it's, it's sort of the reoccurring theme of each show is often, sometimes things just happen at the castle in Transylvania, but they, um, they basically can teleport themselves wherever. So they'll have these like hilarious misadventures in different places and they they go to Egypt looking for a mystic saxophone because well Igor thinks that if Dekula gets a hold of it that it'll help bring out the evil in him because that's kind of a reoccurring theme for him and they end up encountering some I think it's the Crow Brothers they're like a a team of burglars that are they're well, trying the burglars, to they're trying they're to break just, into the castle right they're just going around trying to steal fancy portraits to sell right. <laughs> and and Castle Ducula has a lot of fancy portraits There's but they gotta be some fancy portraits in there they're climbing the castle sort of like you know mountaineers would climb climb Mount Everest or something they've got they their little gear. always go through a window because they're mm-hmm. burglars. Yeah and and they end up getting transported to Egypt too. Because they're attached to the side of the wall. And then we just and then the characters encounter some Egyptians that are look like they've been in the tombs for a long time and they're dressed kind of like traditional traditional pharaohs with with you know the hats and everything and there's a whole line of of um, who's on first style jokes where they're saying who might you be right. over and over again. One of their names is who might and the other one one's is, name is, is you be. Yeah. And so they keep going on and on about who might you be. And they take it a little <laughs> too far. It's funny the first couple times and then it's like, oh man, you guys, you're running this into the ground. <laughs> but Which is my kind of humor. They um the thing I really like about this episode is eventually Count Dekula gets his hands on the mystic saxophone and he plays it and mummies awaken and are dancing and <laughs> the hi- hieroglyphic drawings pop off the wall and they're dancing and it's, and they're playing. Um, it sounds like he's playing in the afterlife with his sax. I, 
it's well, the, been... the, the the squirrel nut zipper song yeah it's like similar yeah yeah i mean because their their version is like I, I believe is a cover the squirrel nut zippers did not rate that song as far oh. as i know but yeah it sounds like they're doing in the afterlife but it's no no lyrics just just the saxophone mm-hmm. but it's such a fun scene and I think, Andy, you mentioned before we started recording that you said, you know, some of these episodes, like the pacing is a little slow or off. And you definitely there could be moments where you st- your mind starts to wander or, you know, because we're adults and maybe even kids would be like, oh, I'm going to look at my phone or get bored or whatever. But then all of a sudden something really zany and awesome happens. And this was one of those moments. Yeah, no. And and, and I will say of the episodes that we watched, um, the first one, I think, hits the pace just right. Like there was... You know, a couple of the jokes run on a little bit too long, but overall, I didn't have any problems with how the episode was going. Um, but yeah, the, some of the other ones, the uh, the the um, like moving from point A to point B in the plot of the episode kind of drags a little bit, um, you know, because in service of the jokes, which is fine. Um, but yeah, the first episode, uh, no sax fleas where Egyptian just nails it in just about every way. Um, in it, in that way, actually, it, it felt very contemporary. There was a lot of Adult Swim and these days, like, uh, web short humor that is uh, very reminiscent of Count Ducula and kind of the, the witty repartee and the, the, the rapid-fire wordplay and stuff like that. Yeah, I appreciate the adult cultural references and, and little in-jokes that are constantly layered, and some of the humor is very dry and then it's like jokes on top of jokes sometimes and it's not something that kids would necessarily pick up on but it makes it actually really rewatchable for adults like if you saw this as a kid and you loved it there's a good chance that you would really enjoy it still if you decided to revisit it or if you've never seen this before but you enjoy animation then I would recommend checking it out or you know show it to your kids they might if they like kind of spooky castle-y ghost story things you know it's not quite as spooky as as something like scooby-doo but right. if your kid's a scooby-doo fan they might they might enjoy this well it's like it's got all the creepy horror art to it but the stories aren't really scary no not at all and the characters are so goofy and non-scary that like yeah it's not gonna scare kids but the background of it makes horror elements fun i mean yeah it's probably a good portion of this that helped out what i've become today of having creepy stuff around that's fun creepy well and there's macabre (laughs) jokes like there was a joke about how i don't remember exactly i think it might have been in this episode but they make a comment about how they used to have some maids on staff and they all died in different mishaps and I don't remember exactly what it is, but it's just kind of joked about in a yeah. lot way. Died because of nanny. And right. then they joke that it didn't matter because they were only part time. Yeah. <laughs> and okay, I so, like so, I, I kind of died. <laughs> yeah. Is, so is, is her name Fanny with an F like Frank no, or is it Nanny with an N like Nancy? Nanny. 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 Okay. Fanny in Britain means something very different. <laughs> okay. Yeah. But yeah, so Nanny has just like this like Bristolian accent and she speaks in like this like very high falsetto and she's like seven feet tall, built like a linebacker. I, I don't know why her arm is broken, but yeah, it's always in a sling. Yeah. Bad is arm. it because she bas- 
is it because she blasts through walls and stuff? I don't think so. I think she's just... Like, Nanny is the best character. She's outrageous. I I don't know. I really... She's always taking offense. Yes, she is. I, I really like Igor, though. I like his, like, like it's it's not, like, uh, over the top, but he's just always low-key wanting evil to happen. Um, yeah. Yeah, and, it, and, it's, and it's never malicious or anything. Like, he, he like, in the, in the episode, the, um, with the Phantom, I can't remember the title of the episode, but the, a he meets. A Fright at the Opera. A Fright at the Opera. He meets his old, like, evil henchman college buddy. Um, yeah. And they're like old pals, you know, but it just happens that they they went into the career of evil. So right. They went to, you know, evil university to become henchmen, not to become like master evil, you know, like whatever overlords or something. No, just to become henchmen. Like they yeah. basically went to evil butler college. Well, it's kind yeah, of like evil community went college. To school for- yeah. Morticia went to school for for spells and hexes in the Adams family lore. You know, she's yeah. the dark arts. So you gotta somewhere there's there's mm-hmm. secret colleges where you can go and and be one of these characters. Well, and, so just, and, oh, go uh, ahead, Andy. Oh, I was gonna say that 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 concept was really interesting to me when that came up, and I was like, if if anyone's ever seen the Venture Brothers, the whole like life yeah, of a henchman. The henchman! Yeah, the, the the whole henchman <laughs> subculture is very important in that show. But I thought a show that was like like Hogwarts, but for hench people and specifically evil hench people would be a really fun show. Um, yes. Right. So I don't know, you know, maybe not, check back not in. Everyone we'll, uh... can, yeah. Not everyone's a main character. Some people are side characters and I think that their lives have value too. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that they should unionize. <laughs> right, so we'll have to put a uh, copyright on this, but I do think <laughs> you should go forward with this with somebody. I don't know. Yeah, we'll, we'll you could totally have, you know, your main character could be that henchman that just like has a little spark and wants to be something more. <laughs> but you know, their whole family has gone through henchmen, so it's like a long tradition of henchmen throughout the family. Oh but, you yeah, know, you, they, you, you totally have their like grandpa be the original Igor, and right. you know, yeah. that's kind of like Scooby Doo in the Ghoul School, where Shaggy oh, yeah. and Scooby become physical ed teachers at a girl's private school but it's like the children of the wolf man and there's like a mummy named tannis and there's a uh, there's like a frankenstein girl and a vampire girl she's the hot one um <laughs> so that plot oh. that plot has a it has salience it sells i loved scooby-doo in the ghoul school Oh no! I, I I I just remembered when I mentioned Igor the name. Uh, I think this may already be the plot of the animated film Igor from two thousand eight. Um, oh no no! I've I've never seen it, but you know we may be uh, maybe this has already been done. So alas, yeah, everything's <laughs> been done already. It's yeah, everything's true. a that's remix. That's no reason. Probably it's not Simpsons. just gonna say <laughs> Simpsons did it um, this week. Fake Patreon offering is going to be us spitballing TV and or movie plots. I love that. So, uh, God, is this now part of the drinking game? Is that the, yeah. the fake Patreon, the, fa- the fake Patreon? The fake Patreon offering for this month is us trying to figure out whether or not something is intellectual copyright <laughs> infringement. <laughs> 
So, so back to no sex worry. <laughs> yes. I was going to mention the voice acting real quick before oh, we yeah. get into it. Because we were talking about Nanny and Val was, was eloquently describing her, her sound. Um, <laughs> Nanny was voiced by Brian Truman. Um, Igor was voiced by Jack May. And Count Decula was voiced by David Jason. So I just thought I'd mention that real quick before we yeah, who, get further in. Yeah, Count, Count Decula, who is voiced by an Englishman, but for no discernible reason, speaks with an American accent. <laughs> Well, I kind of wonder if that was because famous and frivolous. Yeah, that's oh. exactly what I was just gonna say. Was that I think it's because, <laughs> sorry. No, no, Savage. I think it's because they thought, oh well, you know, a, a, a someone with an American accent would be more inclined to be obsessed with the things that he's obsessed with. That's true. Also, you know, he's off and he's not right. He's, so one yeah, of the things- he's the vegetarian. He's he's not like his family. <laughs> Right. Oh, God. Obsessed with American pop culture, <laughs> that poor child. I feel seen, <laughs> but also attacked. Right? How provincial their interest <laughs> in American culture. <laughs> so we didn't really get into it, but it's uh, covered in the very beginning of every episode. Um, we kind of mentioned it. The reason Count Duckula is the way he is is because... Uh, the Duckula line, when they perish, they can be brought back to life through this magic machine and everything. And you just have to, it's on the seventh moon of Aquarius, I think it was. It's in the beginning. We should know because it's at the beginning of every <laughs> right. episode. Well, but they like the talk rundown. over yeah. it. So you got to listen really hard to find out when to do the magic thing. Because in the beginning... It says, but something went wrong, and you hear Nanny saying, "Oh, get it!" Well, says <laughs> blood, and then it shows Nanny grabbing tomato ketchup. Yes. And so they put tomato ketchup instead of blood into the mix, and that's how they got a vegetarian. Right. Well, I- All, basically every plot—not well, every plot, but most of the plots involve Nanny screwing something up, and hilarity ensues. I, but yeah, I, they they every episode this is described at the as the intro for the show, which we will have played at the beginning of this episode, so you will have heard it by the time we're talking about it. But the awesome narration, which I absolutely adore, is done by Barry Clayton, and mm-hmm. there's also narration at the end of each episode, just a little bit. And one of the things I really like about this series is. A lot of times when the episode wraps up, it doesn't wrap up with like in a neat bow. Like they're often still dealing with something and we're just like, we're done talking about it now, but here's the characters. And so for this particular episode, because the castle can teleport and do things, it's activated and it actually leaves without all of them. So this episode ends with them in the desert having to walk back to England, I, I presume, because the castle mm. just goes back home. Or not but to yeah, England. They're they in Transylvania. Yeah, so, which is a shorter walk from Egypt. Yeah. But, yeah, um, but they have to walk back home, and they're walking through the desert. But it's it's just like a funny scene. But then there's ominous kind of organ-creepy music. And the narration that's also ominous comes over them while they're in this silly situation. And he always says, good night, whatever you are, I think in every episode, right? Mm-hmm. I think, I mean, of the ones that we watched. And that's a quote from 
the awesome horror host Zachary, the cool ghoul, he would always say that when he would do, you know, a horror host episode back in the day. So it's this cool, like, acknowledgement homage. of older horror. There's there's all kinds of really great homages. And this is, I wanted to mention real quick about another episode that we didn't watch, and I wish we had, and I'm going to go walk, back and watch it later. But apparently there was an episode that spoofs on Rocky Horror Show. Oh, a little. no. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> Kicking myself that I did not catch it before we picked out episodes to cover because I would have loved to have watched it, but it, um, oh, what was it called? I'm sorry. I'm very disorganized today. Uh, it was, oh, it's one where it's a couple that's newly engaged in Aww. this Brad and Janet come and they, Damn it. they stay Damn it. at Castle Decula and apparently Count Decula's really annoyed with them. And <laughs> it's called uh, Igor's Busy Day and it's episode 12 from the first season. Mm. And so they have these, you know, caricatures of Brad and Janet that are staying in Count Decula's castle and basically irritating the residents. <laughs> but other episodes to different fun cultural things from both horror and just pop culture as we'll get to with other episodes because right. the next thing that we watched well i was... want to real quick oh on, sorry well the first episode um it brings you to it they have good writing um i mean we talk about that sometimes the plot kind of drags a little bit here and there um but that's just you know the ADD of our generations from the MTVs um, <laughs> and the internet. Exactly. Uh, so, but they really keep things going where they like reuse an idea and they have it playing out into the future. Like we have the, the Crow brothers that are the robbers they are always going through a window. So there's like a joke when like they get to the pyramid where they climb to the very top of the pyramid. And they're like, oh, there's got to be a window someplace to go through. <laughs> they eventually give up and go through the front door. <laughs> and then there's also the whole fact that Nanny always just like goes through walls. She can't figure out doors. And so like <laughs> the others are trying to like... Uh, to trap Duckula and his gang. And so they keep setting up these elaborate, like, booby traps. But then they get foiled because they're, like, waiting on the other side of the wall for them to come through the door. And then they get crushed by Nanny because she comes through the wall instead. So, yeah, it's just the writing, they they thought it out, you know. It's, it's a lot of absurdist humor, but I feel like, you know, the connections, they're still there. The absurdist humor is connected one to the other. Yes. Right. It's not just like a it's it's not just a mishmash of things thrown together and they say, Oh, it's a kid's show, no one will care. Like it's it's very clever a lot right. of the times, the writing. It's well thought out. I think it probably the pacing works better if you consider commercial breaks. Oh, true. Yeah, if you're if you take this in like little uh, like seven or eight minute snippets uh, right. with like two minute breaks in between, that's true. That's true. I hadn't considered that. Well, an episode runs typically about twenty minutes long if you watch it without commercial breaks. So mm -hmm. yeah, it would been, you would have been getting this in little bits, little digestible bits. 
Okay, so I, I guess that would be my advice for anyone looking to watch Count Decula is maybe take a little break, you know, where the commercial breaks used to be. Uh, you know, give it one or two minutes, check your phone, come back to it. Or just, you know, get in a spooky mood and drink a cup of coffee, you know? That's true. I think I think a lot of us, I mean, especially now you have things like TikTok and, and everything. Everything is encouraged to be like a 30-second quick thing or a GIF. Like our attention spans are directed to be towards much shorter content now, so... But I think a lot of people, especially people who would have grown up watching this, are of a generation where they're used to things that are a little bit slower paced. And, um, you know, I think a kid today watching this might enjoy the atmosphere, might get a little bit bored at times. And definitely some of the jokes are going to go right over their heads and cultural references and things are not going to be picked up. But again, when I was little and I was watching this, I didn't know, you know, I just... I just liked the cartoon and I liked the characters. I didn't know that they were riffing on Zachary Lee or that they were, you know, making fun of British sex comedies or, you know, I just, there, there wasn't any of that for me or even, I don't think I even knew about the who's on first joke as an eight year old. So did we want to say anything else or before we move on to the next, move on to the next, next one? one? Did we want to talk yeah. about, um, let's, should we talk about a fright at the opera next? Sure. So, the, the Fright at the Opera is a spoof on Phantom of the Opera, and we kind of picked that one because we thought that would be fun, but also we have a resident Phantom of the Opera expert who <laughs> I think is, she's a connoisseur of all things Phantom of the Opera. So I, yeah, it's one of my deepest shames, but you know, I can't, okay. I can't change who I am. Why be, why be ashamed? Uh, but, you know, in my adulthood, I have come to the realization that this is a, a hot take. Andrew Lloyd Webber's maybe not that talented. Um, but, <laughs> and like, yikes, it does pain me to say this. But, <laughs> but boy, did I really love Phantom as a kid and into middle school. And then, you know, the um, the popularity of the 2004 Emmy Rossum Gerard Butler train wreck um, sort of killed it for me because then all of the other girls at my middle school also liked Phantom of the Opera and I felt like my brand was really being cramped. Yeah. Um, Yeah, I was like, excuse me, I have liked this since the year 1997. Can everyone calm down? Wait, Um, have you have you seen the Phantom of the Paradise yet, Val? I think I asked you this before on a previous episode. I haven't, but I think about it all the time. Yeah, you I need to watch read, that. I have read the um, the novel that the sequel to Phantom of the Opera, Love Never Dies, is based off of, called The Phantom of Manhattan. And it's so bad. It's so trash. I think I bought that book for like $2 at a used bookstore. Um, yeah, so the whole Phantom of the Opera property, though, as like, feeding into other pop culture I'm a huge fan of still um it never it never makes me I never get bored of it I always love like a good riff on Phantom of the Opera because what a cultural sensation it is truly groundbreaking well Phantom of the Paradise is really good and it's it's you know it's the height of like 70s rock opera it's so good and don't forget phantom of the mall with Polly shore oh <laughs> i wish that was a tv movie because i would love to cover that 
so much. <laughs> I um uh, while we're talking about fun Phantom of the Opera derivatives, I actually I have to plug one of my favorite absurdist TV shows of all time, Comedy Bang Bang, with Scott Ackerman. Oh if yeah. Ever seen it. There is a wonderful episode. It is called <laughs> Casey Wilson wears a black lace dress and a black blazer. Sorry, a white lace dress and a black blazer. Okay. Um, and and the episode it is normally a lampoon of like late night talk shows with like a, yeah. a host and interviewing guests. The entire episode is a musical uh, theater performance episode. Um, and it features oh god, what is his name? He does the voice of Mr. Peanut Butter and BoJack Horseman. Um, Paul F. Tompkins as Andrew Lloyd Webber and yeah. and the whole show is like a Phantom of the Opera send up and it is it is just fantastic it's glorious oh my. And, and i and i really recommend people watch it i don't know where comedy bang bang is streaming right now but if you can find that episode it is worth it we saw it streaming gosh we watched a little bit of it it was a couple years ago but it was not that long ago and i cannot remember what it was on. It was on Netflix for several years, you know, which is that's probably what it was. Yeah, I don't want um, to derail the conversation too much, but I have to ask Andy: Do you remember the year that Reggie Watts showed up and camped at the Oregon Country Fair? I like, don't. In, he was there incognito. Yeah, it was. Oh yeah, my he god, was he was there. Um, maybe you know what? That might have been. I think, I think that was the year before. I think it was the year before going. you started camping with oh, us because no. we were still volunteering on bus crew and we didn't have an extra pass. But yeah. So like, um, you know, Michael and Melissa, we were working and this is going to be not interesting to anyone else. Sorry. Guys. Uh, people <laughs> like, like to hear Reggie Watts Oregon, stories. Oregon. It's a, it's a good one. I promise. <laughs> Oregon country fair. So it was like, I want to say it was like 2014. Okay, maybe? so if you're listening to this and you don't know what Oregon Country Fair is, that's okay because you might not be from Oregon. Oregon Country Fair is basically a multi-day festival of hippies in the woods. It was founded um, by the Grateful Dead and the Flying Karamazov Brothers in 1969. It started off as a Ren Fair. It's a cornerstone of uh, Pacific Northwest counterculture, and they have a website, so you can look it up. And if you're not... <laughs> Um, a member of the fair community. So if you're a daytime public person, you're only allowed there certain hours. But if you work the fair or if you're vending or something, then you're allowed to camp you overnight. You stay overnight, which is and, thousands of people right, camping overnight. It's a huge party. And it's so really it, fun. Well, anyway. So there's <laughs> overnight. So people are just kind of roaming around and stuff. And there was buzz that reggie watts was somewhere on property that somebody had well, brought no, him. Michael, like all week long no michael michael and it. melissa saw him roll up into right. the like they gave him directions on where to go like melissa was like but i'm saying like the entire property yeah, had well, a bit of a people, buzz of reggie watts was somewhere sure on well we <laughs> we used to be on this volunteer crew where when buses would come bring people during the day we would greet them, welcome them to the fair, tell them where to go, tell them what time they could catch the last bus back to town, which nearest town was, well, Benita's right nearby, but the nearest major town was Eugene. Um, and so people on our crew were like, you sometimes you're the first to know about stuff because you see people as they arrive and they're like, Reggie Watts is here. And we're like, what? And they're like, yeah, he just showed up. And we, you know, gave him directions to where he needed to go. And and I was like, oh, that's crazy. And then we were walking around at night. And this and it's is in super the woods, dark. so it's dark. Yeah. And there's, like, areas that are lit and stuff. It's, like, 
it's like a lower key burning man in the forest where there's art installations and there's things glowing and stuff. But if we're in this, we come around this dark area where there's a stage that's usually active during the day and he's just like hanging out near there and he's just like freestyling. He's doing his beatbox yeah. freestyle thing, talking about like what he did, you know, and stuff. And there's two great lines that came out of this. We like, <laughs> we're like, oh God, it's Reggie Watts. So like you couldn't see him. He was just somewhere in a big crowd in the dark, him. but he's like doing his thing <laughs> and like you can hear him and so we stopped and we just listened to him for a while and one person like is walking along the path and like they stop and they go oh god is that Reggie Watts and then you hear <laughs> no it isn't <laughs> and then later um so the country fair because it's uh kind of a hippie love fest is known for uh, some patrons like to walk around mostly naked or there's also a, a giant of... public sauna and don't worry guys they have been closed because of COVID so they're not like and so Reggie <laughs> Watts is doing his thing and then he just goes into like a few lines and a few lines just repetitive over and over again with the boobies the boobies. the boobies. Yeah, that was that was sun that was Sunday night affair. Friday night was like, no, this is not Reggie Watts. And then Sunday night was like the boobies. And like, gee, Reggie, what was your favorite part of the Oregon Country Fair? <laughs> <coughs> Excuse me. And then also, while this was going on, a guy from our camp was really into like covering his body with glow glow sticks and glow ropes so he'd make an outline of a stick figure and you just see him walking around at night with just it just looks like a stick right. figure stick glow yeah so it was all stick man and while this was going on he's just off to the side smoking a cigarette <laughs> but it looked like a stick <laughs> figure smoking a cigarette while Reggie Watts, Watts was like just you know beatboxing and stuff and it was right. it was a surreal very funny memory yeah it's lots of festivals will have a stick man or somebody trying to be stick man but mm -hmm. this guy is like the original stick man and no one does stick man better he's, than him he's really good with like his movement and theatrics with it so it's because it's in the dark he literally just looks like a drawn stick figure animated to life dancing around mm -hmm. anyway so back, back to, to duckula back to a fright at the opera but yeah it's because you talked about you talked about comedy bang bang and immediately thought of reggie watch and i thought of how we have that we, we have, have that, a reggie watch story that memory yeah <laughs> so Hopefully that was enjoyable. It has nothing to do with retro television. <laughs> <laughs> Just anecdotally, I, you know, my siblings obviously go to country fair and, and camp overnight and stuff. And Allison and Andrew and Andy have graciously asked me to come with them multiple years. And I've always um, not gone because of the ambient public nudity. Yes. It makes me incredibly anxious. So I was gonna really say, is it? I do really enjoy the the anecdotes that come out of it. Honestly, Wait, what was that, Allison? People used to be way more naked than they are now. Like nowadays, like the nudity has been replaced more with costuming, and most of the people that you see that are like topless or walking around, no one's allowed to expose genitals. Um, and you're covered. Ah, uh, yes. A lot of people are covered with body paint. Or they have like an elaborate costume that's like kind of risque. So it's not 
it's not quite what you think. There are definitely some photos from the 70s where it's just a bunch of naked <laughs> people, like, hanging out in the dirt. So, <laughs> but we, we love the fair. And I, I don't mean to just, like, be flippant and, like, oversimplify it because it's it's a really great experience. And, it and is it an institution so um, mm-hmm. in Oregon. So, like, if you are from, if you were a recent transplant to the Pacific Northwest or to Oregon in general, like, Oregon Country Fair is a big part of that whole, like, Oregon ethos about, like, being ungovernable and kind of just weird. Once once it comes back, if you're in Oregon, if you transplanted or you're just visiting during the time it's on, you got to at least go to one fair. Yeah, you got to come check it out. There's always different bands playing and lots of art and lots of community outreach and education. Incredible. Yeah. Some people just go for the food. We saw Sam Elliott there. Well, I saw Sam Elliott there one year too. Like the day before the fair opened, he was on property hanging out and he um, dyed some of his hair different colors. It was exciting. That's so cool. I was just like, I didn't want to go. I was like standing kind of near him and I just got the biggest grin on my face. I'm like, oh my God, it's Sam Elliott. <laughs> All righty. Back to the Count Ducula. <laughs> Which has nothing to do with country so, fair. So as as you guys mentioned earlier in when we were talking about the previous episode, that Igor runs into a former into a former classmate from Henchman School. Yeah, Peter Lorre. And he does, he looks like a duck or a bird version of Peter Lorre, kind of. And yes. with the eyes. Like kind of back in the day the they, voice. they always did that in Warner Brothers cartoons. Yeah. There was always the Peter Lorre type character in Warner Brothers cartoons. I always wondered how much of that voice is actually him. Like what did he <sighs> yeah. sound like when he wasn't doing the voice, you know? I haven't watched was, that many movies that he was in. He was definitely camping it up whenever yeah. he did the the movies. Anyway, it's like um. Well, he did a version of, gosh, he did a version I think with of the Black Cat, the post story with mm-hmm. with Boris Karloff. Yeah, we watched. Oh that. yeah, and I'm trying to remember. He's I mean he's not he's not playing an Igor type character right, in that. He's just he's playing, but he's but he's always playing somebody kind of shady typecast i think it was kind of like larry the cable guy where it was kind of an act and then it became you mean what Mater? people hired him for yeah because larry the cable guy isn't larry the cable guy like that was just an act he did well, no he's mater yeah he's mater anyway. <laughs> i'll stop um anyways count duckula we got uh uh old chums from from uh the the Igor school of henchmen. Well, and isn't isn't yeah. it? Sorry, go ahead, Val. Oh, I was gonna say one of my favorite one-liners from Nanny came from this episode, where they entered this you know beautiful beautiful opera house, perhaps ostensibly the Paris Opera House, and um, Duckula turns to Nanny and is like, Nanny, we have a box seat, and then she goes. Oh, Ducky Poo! I would hope in a place as fancy as this, they'd have real seats. <laughs> and I, I just, I just died. And I just, so it's so nuanced and it's so understated and it's mm. very funny. Um, and so that was my favorite part of the whole <laughs> Nanny's often confused. Well, Nanny's super confused. And the the there's the phantom lurking like you know in the in the opera house the as there would be down in the catacombs, 
And what is, do we recall what Igor's classmate's name was? The henchman for the Phantom? Oh. I didn't catch that or write that oh, down. It's, it's something. Oh, crap. It's, it's like it's not, cruel or something it's like that. It's not super important, but it's just funny because he looks like classic Igor, but you have a character named Igor already. So yeah. She, yeah. You can't be like Igor number two or something. But he's, I think he he's kind of like, once Igor, Count Decula's Igor, finds out that there's, you know, a, a diabolical plot that he's excited right. about. He's like, oh, you know, you're getting to do do the things I wish I could do, kind of, you know, there's some envy. And, and mm-hmm. for some inexplicable reason, the Phantom decides, you know, was it, does he? Igor it, orchestrates nanny's kidnapping yeah i would assume it's to try and like stimulate some evil out of ducula i'm trying to recall why the phantom wanted did he think because doesn't he think that nanny is the opera singer and it's a case of they look alike there's a mistaken identity it's you know the fat lady sings she thinks he thinks that nanny is going to be able to hit the high note that's going to trigger this explosive device right right because he's supposed to be using the the lady from the opera. Right. Uh, yeah. It was. It's again. It's, it's been. His, it's his been a final couple, masterpiece. We watched a lot of these over over the course of a couple of weeks, but um, just the scheduling and trying to record and stuff. It's been a couple of weeks since I've seen this one. So if I seem, I did actually watch it and pay attention at the time. It's just some things have happened since then. Um, so I feel. I always just feel a little bad. I'm like, er, what happened in the episode we're talking about? But yeah, so she's she is kidnapped by mistake, and I think there's other episodes where Nanny is either um, there's a mistaken identity thing, or Nanny's related mm-hmm. to someone. Like I was reading about an episode where they end up encountering a tribe of Amazons, and they all look like Nanny. Yeah, we haven't watched that well, one. Well, in the very <laughs> first episode, the the Saks were Egyptian. Mm-hmm. They mistake her for the reincarnation of the goddess that they're waiting right. for. Which makes you wonder if Nanny has a really interesting backstory that we don't know about. Or she's from like a long line of, you know, deities or something. Yeah, because you have, you know, you have Count Decula who has his family lineage. What's kind of wonder more about what Nanny Nanny's mm-hmm. family lineage might have been. I just think that's kind of fun that that's a recurring theme. That she's not just there to bumble along. Sometimes she's also deeper entwined in the plot, but or intertwined. But she, they could have just had her, I don't know, walk around the opera house if he wanted to destroy it so bad. Right. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> just send her on errands. Be like, oh, Master Decula needs snacks. Go get snacks, Nanny. <laughs> oh no, the snack bar's over here. <laughs> Anyway, did anybody have anything else they wanted to add about the Fright at the Opera? Uh, no. It's basically the Phantom of the Opera plot. And I feel like I feel like it's just one of those things, like you said, Val, there's so many versions of this. And it just, people are like, oh, we should do a spoof on Phantom of the Opera because that's, it's fun. People right. are, people are yeah, familiar with the content. It's, yeah, it's like, it's fresh for mining content because it's it's just part of like the uh the collective unconscious like everyone is familiar with some kind of phantom of the opera trope if they've been consuming other types of media for example like our december episode was the 
the Phantom of the Megaplex, and that was my choosing um, yeah. for my, <laughs> or my birthday episode. And that was a lot of fun. Yeah. It was it was a ton of fun. Yeah. No, there's there's like basically when you have TV shows that are either just zany to begin with and already doing homages constantly, or they've been on for enough seasons that they're like, we need to mix things up. There's like you're either gonna get like a Phantom of the Opera type thing or a uh, a homage like a, to like a Hamlet type thing. Right, mm-hmm. or like a Wizard of Oz. Yeah. Thing. There's like those classic, classic stories that everyone knows. So if you homage the story that everybody's seen, then you'll be able to give your writers a break and just be like, all right, let's just throw mm-hmm. some fun jokes into the Wizard of Oz. And, you know, everyone's going to have the the ending with the, oh, and you were there, and you were there. Mm-hmm. Well, and the next episode that we're going to talk about after this is also one of those classic stories that gets borrowed for plot devices over and over again. So. Right. But this one, to wrap up, the Fri- A Fright at the Opera was episode 21 of the first season, and it originally aired January 31st of 1989. Um, so, yeah, let's move on to the prince and the popper the, yeah the, they did a prince and the popper episode um and this one's actually from season two episode 34 the count and the popper and then the subtitle is i ain't gonna work on maggot's farm no more which cracked me up because <laughs> there is the maggie's farm bob dylan song which that is derived from and so i was i was already on board for this one but this uh, count Dekula's basically tired of his his duties as being Count Decula. I guess being rich is terribly boring and obnoxious, and he decides he's not happy. Grass is greener on the other side, and he's thinking he's going to leave Castle Decula, and he goes out for a walk, and he, he bumps into a duck who looks just like him named Sid Quack, and they decide to swap roles, and Sid Quack is you know, the popper from this title and he's been working on a farm and being worked to death and he hates his life. And he's like, yeah, I'll go be a rich count and take your place. And yeah, I don't think count Duculo really, uh, researched what he was getting into very well. (laughs) Well, also, I mean, as you know, as sort of the moral of the story, Sid Quack later comes to regret his decision as well (laughs) so so yeah they do the classic swap swap roles and then they um you know and then just there's just mishaps ensue like Decula's kind of like wait you want me to do what while he's on the farm and the characters on the farm look just like Nanny and Igor it's like a farm version of them basically (laughs) yeah very much so where instead of Igor and Nanny waiting on him hand and foot, Igor and Nanny are now the people in charge, and Count Duckula has to do everything. Yeah, definitely a role reversal. Right. And they, he has a, a huge list of chores that he's supposed to do. Mm-hmm. And then I think on the other end, the his lookalike starts to think that he's got the good life, but then he starts to get freaked out by the goings-on and things that he's expected to do. 
Well, it goes downhill quickly because uh, he requires meat, not vegetables. Well, and Igor gets very excited yeah, about he's... Duckula's newfound uh, love of eating flesh. <laughs> Yeah, you, Igor is really going for it in this episode. Oh, yeah. He just, yeah. <laughs> like, finally, it's happened. And so Igor, of course, you know, doesn't ease into it. He goes straight into, let's get on with the evil. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> and, you know, he was here to eat meat and live the good life, but not necessarily all the other stuff that was right. coming with it. Was it. Something I thought was interesting is the idea of a of a vampire that's a vegetarian because um, around the same time there was a children's book series that was really popular called Benicula. Benicula. And so I was trying to think if there's any other besides Benicula and Count Ducula, are there any other vegetarian vampires out there? Cause I couldn't think of any, but I there, loved those books as a kid. Yeah, no, the, the Benicula uh, is a great series. The, the Howliday Inn series. Um, yeah. Uh, but to your question about vegetarian vampires, there is, in fact, a vampire named Marceline the Vampire Queen in the show Adventure Time on Cartoon Network. Okay. And, and Marceline only eats the color red. She does not drink blood. Wow. So she's like a rainbow goblin. That's... Kind of. Like, like she can drink blood because blood is red, but mm -hmm. she can also, like, eat strawberries and she sucks the, the red out of a strawberry. I think she also sucked the red out of a bow tie at one point, so it doesn't have to be food, I think. This has to be red. It she can get her hands red. on a Technicolor film and suck all the red out of it. Oh, yeah, she would love, like, a Dario Argento <laughs> flick. It would be sad, yes. <laughs> love Technicolor. <laughs> That's cool. I'm glad you knew that, because I was wondering about, there's probably another instance, but the, all I could come up with was Benicula. But it was also contemporary with when this was coming out. Like, those books, I think, were written maybe just a few years before the series came out. So anyway, back to back to this episode. Yeah, like it's just it's just basically your classic Prince and Popper story. And again, it's something that's been done again. Like there's there's a Disney Mickey Mouse version of this story that was mm. pretty well known and mm. lots of other just oh, the it's yeah, the, the, the original is a very, very famous story. I think it was written by Mark Twain, so. Oh, was it? Yeah. Yeah, I'm pretty okay. sure. Okay. Yeah, so it's it's one of those things. It's like, you know, with the Phantom of the Opera, you get occasionally people think, oh, we need a storyline. Let's let's use this. Or, like, the Count of Monte Cristo is used a lot as a plot and things. Mm -hmm. And um, it's, it's just fun. It's kids kids will see these cartoons and then maybe later they'll explore some classic literature and they'll say, oh, hey, this is familiar to me. Right. Or like we were talking about uh, Pygmalion when we were talking about the Twilight Zone. Like I think, you know, that's another one that just like comes up again and again. Did anybody have anything else they wanted to say other than um, about like the Prince and the Popper plot line or anything about this episode in particular? I think the best part of this episode is when Duckula as Sid Quack, so farm Duckula, mm -hmm. he's sitting next to like a steaming pile of manure <laughs> and he's playing his harmonica and he's singing a song. <laughs> yeah. And I'm a rube, so I didn't realize it was a cover of a Bob Dylan song. I was just like, 
I really love this Maggot Farm song. This yeah. is the funniest thing I've ever seen. Um, I watched that scene a couple of times just by rewinding it. In fact, it's uh, I have it on in the background right now. Um, it's so charming. Uh, I really love that song. I tried to look up the lyrics online, and I couldn't find them. You'll have to be the one that jots them down for everyone well, later on. Well, it'll have to be me, yeah. They're actually... For a show that ended in 93 and had four seasons, I think it has enough of a fan base that there's actually quite a lot of information about this. There's a fairly extensive Count Decula wiki online, um, and there's uh, there's actually, like I said, there's an official YouTube channel where you can watch all of the full episodes, and they also have them, they have Spanish language versions. So if you speak Spanish and, or you have family that speaks Spanish as their primary language, you have the option to watch all the episodes in Spanish, which is pretty cool. And they have an official Twitter account and an official Facebook page. And so it's like, it's really cool that they're actually, all this information is accessible and that there's people that care enough to make, you know, have a place for fans to go basically do research and and talk about their love of the show and it's just something I thought was kind of unusual for something that's from that long ago like you don't usually see an organized YouTube page where they have they have short clips of they have like um, some videos titled like nanny's best bits and stuff like that or like favorite moments from season series one and and so I just I don't know I thought it was really cool that um, the people who created the show and love the show took the time to have so much organized information out there. I feel like the nanny's best bits one would just go on forever, though. It would be so, yeah, but it, and there'd be a lot of like walking through things. But she has some uh, really great lines. Um, I watched makes- the nanny's best bits one. It like five minutes I think it was great like especially out of the context of the whole episode because you're just seeing like her one-liners I'm just like this is madcap (laughs) um that is for the um you know the short attention span the TLDR um Mm -hmm. sort of like wanting to consume media without having to like set aside time to consume it right Right. Which is my version of it. (laughs) Great way to, if you're, and and like I said, we'll link to that, to that YouTube, um, that YouTube account in our show notes, because if you're listening to us and you're thinking, I might check that out, but I don't know, I may or may not watch an episode. You could go over there and you could just watch little clips and just get a feel for the show and see if that's something you'd be interested in Mm -hmm. beyond our description of it, because possibly we're not great at describing it, but (laughs) Um, but yeah it's it's I just was impressed with how much there was available and I wouldn't be surprised if somewhere those song lyrics are posted Mm -hmm. I didn't come across them myself but when you mentioned when you mentioned that Val about the the harmonica sequence and he's spoofing on the Bob Dylan song I thought I thought you know there's so much trivia and background information out there and explaining different references from different episodes because this is just this was a, a thoroughly, thoroughly loved and well-archived show. Yeah. I also wanted to say regarding the, you know, the lyrics not being available. Um, if you want to have just a real strange time, uh, there are no subtitles for The Hearing Impaired on YouTube, but YouTube has auto-generated subtitles based on what it oh. thinks. Oh, and it is. It is incredible. I had them on for the first episode, and I, I could not keep them on because they're so distracting. 
Um, they're almost yeah. they're them off too. Yeah, because they, they don't sync up right because it's listening to the sounds in order to generate the words that it thinks are being said. It's distracting. It, well, it's distracting and it's also utter nonsense. They are so <laughs> incorrect. Like it, right. it, it cannot handle like the poor voices. audio quality on top of the accents. It's just nuts. <laughs> did, um, for... Oh man, the next episode, McDuckular would be... Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, I had trouble with that episode. It was hard to listen to sometimes. Well, I was just going to say that we actually, um, we were watching a TV movie for, I was doing for Terror on the Tube, and it was, it was called The Demon Murder Case, which is actually um, one of those Ed and Lorraine Warren stories where they come in and investigate and do their thing. And now there's what's basically what the conjuring three is going to be about. That's coming out this, this weekend as we're recording like this upcoming weekend, but we watched a YouTube version and I don't remember exactly. It was like, Oh, I think there was like a hum to the upload. There was something weird because it was like a VHS rip. So there was like a tinniness or something. And we put the YouTube sub- subtitles on and they were insane, and also sometimes involving curse words that weren't being spoken, but YouTube thought they were. <laughs> and so I actually took a screenshot while it was going on and saved it and sent it to my co-hosts on that show to describe to them how absurd and weird the subtitles were, because we'd all had trouble listening to the audio track. It was just, it was just a, you know, not a great upload. It happens on YouTube. Well, you know, maybe with when this... you consume most of your uh, your media content on YouTube, you, right. you tend to get used to it. Well, it's like it's like when Val when Val did her segment on the Sleepy Hollow episode last fall, and she was describing what she was gonna watch to Chuck. <laughs> I just thought that was so great. Oh, what <laughs> what streaming service is it on? And he said. You too. <laughs> and I think you were describing like the, the light in his eyes going out or something like that. <laughs> I mean, He's I, a I really good sport most of the time, but yeah. I think that the, the Sleepy Hollow uh, movie was a little much for him, um, especially since we had just barely. <laughs> yeah. You sure it wasn't just because he was uh, disheartened by your. Uh... As you put it, thirst for for Jeff um, Bloom, right? Mm-hmm. I, I have yeah, to say, I, I wouldn't discount that. If you if you listened to our main Sleepy Hollow episode and you didn't listen to Val's Val's follow up comments because she missed the main episode, I highly recommend doing that. Or even if you didn't, just because it's only about like a fifteen minute segment and it's true. hilarious. Or if, if you want to hear about Sleepy Hollow but you don't want to do a full hour and a half, just <laughs> listen to just the Val one. Yeah, yeah. Definitely. <laughs> It is. It's the Cliff Notes, and and it's and it's entertaining. Very entertaining. So yeah, check check out check out Val's thoughts on Sleepy Hollow if you get a chance. Um, it's like a drunk history episode, except for I'm not drunk. I'm just on a bunch of Adderall, and so my thoughts are kind of just all over the place. <laughs> oh God. Yeah, it was, it was a good time. We just kind of we asked asked you a couple of questions and then just let you go. <laughs> And it, it, this is, of course, <laughs> legally prescribed Adderall that she was on. This yeah. is not recreational um, use. Yeah. 
to all of our listeners out there, I have a sleep disorder. So I take a um, consistent quantity of Adderall so that I have a functional 11 hours per day. So I, you know, just fun Val facts. <laughs> you know, and, and if we all had a functional 11 hours per day, that would, that would be amazing. <laughs> yeah, right, that's, that's the dream, that right? I, I had a dysfunctional 11 hours of work yesterday. <laughs> Oh my god. <laughs> the last episode that we watched for this uh, was episode 11 of season 1, The Ghost of McCastle McDuckula. And that originally aired on November 15th, 1988. And Count Duckula and Igor and Nanny go to Scotland on holiday. And right off the bat, I have to say, they have a trailer that looks like a miniature castle that they're traveling in. Yes. It's I love their so trailer. Cute. I was just like, I want, I want that. That's what I want in my life. Screw an RV. You know, when we get older and we're like traveling, doing the senior road trip. You haunted thing. castle. I do. So bad. I was just like. You didn't even know you wanted it until I this might, episode. I might have to take a screenshot of that and put that in our show notes just because I loved it so much. And probably That's no one so will good. care except for me, but. I'm gonna no, put it I, I, I also marked their like awesome trailer because it's it's like it's it's like a gypsy trailer kind of, but yeah, um, yeah, but 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 a haunted castle. Um, well, it's not even a trailer; it's a like a camper. Yeah, built yeah. into an old car. Because the front yeah. has a truck, and um, not to like go off on a fair tangent again, but like there are some people out at the Oregon Country Fair that have awesome caravan style wagons where it's like they've got a truck and then they have an old school like a you know gypsy caravan style i know that's not really like a term we really want to use that much anymore but like i don't know how else to describe it because it looks Uh, old world with like little little stained glass windows and little mm -hmm. door handles and double doors opening in the back all made out of wood and this is like that but on steroids with castle turret and yes it's so cool uh, I, I am not an expert on such things, but I think it's just the term gypsy that's frowned upon. I think if you said like aroma wagon, because that's that's a specific subgroup of people. Well, uh, I mean, I'm, just, I'm not familiar enough with the Roma culture to actually attribute that style of wagon to. Right, right. For sure. So, I, I, yeah, I'm not really, you know. It's a really cool, it's a cool wagon. That's what I'm just going to say. Oh, actually, the, sorry, I'm just looking this up. Uh, apparently there is a word for that cool wagon uh, oh. that the Romani used to use. It is called a Vardo. Okay. Yeah, if you, if you look up a Vardo wagon on uh, on Google, you will find all sorts of neat pictures of these awesome wagons. If I used Pinterest, which I don't, that sounds like something I would put all over the place. So this is basically like, it was. it's a riff on that style because it's definitely hearkening to that style, but then it's, it's incorporating castle designs and it's got like little smokestacks and random things and, you know, very much like the actual castle decula has like random odds and ends kind of jetting out in different places. But this, so they're, they're going to, they're going to stay at a hotel, but instead uh, Igor takes him on a detour to visit an old family member because he thinks that this family member will have a good influence on him. And so he kind of good influence. We mean bad evil influence. influence. And so at McCastle and McDuckula, um, when they get there, Igor conspires with McDuckula to 
basically play along like this is the hotel the whole time because they're trying to deceive Decula. And they have this great moment where Igor takes him aside away from the others. And he just says, mutter, mutter, mutter. (laughs) (laughs) Because they're just really funny. And then he throws in, like, they have actual words. Yeah. Just like, just the words that tell you what they're talking about. Because it's just like, mutter, 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 Dracula, mutter, 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 trick him, mutter, mutter, mutter. <laughs> yeah, it's really funny. Yes. We, we also, uh, Mick Duckula also is introduced speaking Scots, which is just delightful to hear. I was really happy that that was in the episode. Yeah, um, I'm interested in what the, uh, the computer closed captioning brought up. Oh, yeah, for what it, what it thought the Scots oh, were no. saying. <laughs> probably terrible well and and he um his castle is haunted by kind of a a dingy confused ghost that's dressed in sort of elizabethan guard that That carries his own head around yeah that keeps popping up and he's kind of adorable and then also showing up we have um we have dr von gooswing who is there to basically hunt vampires but he's, he's not very successful. <laughs> so this is actually the first episode where that we watched. It's not the first appearance of Von Guswig, but he's he's in this one. This is the first time that we actually saw him. And he's kind of he's kind of a fun, silly character. But mostly it's just like I think the thing that I really enjoy about this show is possibly something that wouldn't be appealing to kids, but the the actual way the backgrounds are illustrated they kind of look like elaborate paintings similar to the scooby-doo backgrounds where you have like Mm -hmm. not super complex animation painted on top of really gorgeous backgrounds that are very atmospheric and very spooky and um you have like misty moors and scenes of craggy cliffs and castles and ominous skies and things and so this is something that happens with every episode. And then I just like the style of the castle itself and the style of the characters. But yeah, this is, this is a cute one. And it's, um, it's funny cause I was looking on lists of like what some of people's favorite episodes were. And this was coming up on different lists on the internet as a favorite episode. And I didn't really get a clear feeling on why that was, but this is just something people remember maybe because they love the ghost with carrying his head around, or maybe they liked, like McDuckula, who is very much like Scrooge McDuck, like very similar, except for Scrooge McDuck was a vampire. Because at the towards the end of the episode, even though this is a family member staying there, because they're pretending to be a hotel, he legitimately wants to bill them for their stay while right. they're at his castle. And it's like, oh, you charge your family to stay there? And, and Scrooge McDuck was already on DuckTales, um, on like the Disney afternoon on on network television in the U.S. So I don't think it's like a ripoff or anything, but it's just interesting no. that there's this, and he was an older character from Disney prior to mm. that, but it, it's interesting that there's this idea of like the Scottish miser, which I'm not really sure where that stereotype comes from. But. Yeah, I, wa- I wonder if that's that's a regional stereotype because uh, like I, I, I don't know, I'm just speculating, but it, it may mm-hmm. be like an English thing, like the English think like, oh, the Scots are all misers, they're penny pinchers, you know? Right. I mean, yeah, because I mean, this is a British show. Exactly. And there's, so, and there's plenty of other stereotypes. There's a lot of probably 
stereotype Scottish jokes that they're throwing mm-hmm. in there that just go over our American heads. Sure. That's true. And they're I would probably like, not all nice. No. I, I would also like to point out, though, it's not just the Scottish people that are getting that. I don't know if I was the only one that noticed this, but when the uh, Phantom goes to America, there is very clearly on screen a Confederate flag outside the bar he's at. Oh, yeah, definitely. Well, he goes to the Grand Old Opry. Yeah. Yeah. He's going to be the phantom of the Grand Old Opry now. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, so (laughs) maybe maybe not the the most uh, culturally sensitive show is what I'm saying. Oh, no. And also, you know, in the 80s, people were less concerned about that even, you know, I mean, some well, people... I mean, just a few years prior, you had the Dukes of Hazard with the Confederate flag painted on the top of their car. So, yep, it wasn't that far of a stretch. Mm-hmm. The General Lee. Right. Oh, I love that show as a child, though. I'm not going to lie. It's, no, it's, it's a fun show, but boy, are there problems. <laughs> mm, it was because little me was like, those boys are really cute and I love their feathered hair. Mm. So it was really as far as it went for me oh the late 70s early 80s yeah hair. yeah right? well, I was crushing on the heart or not the hardy boys that was another show i watched too but yeah i was crushing on on the hazard boys well, I see, I you more. know it, it 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 puts the modern leftist in an interesting quandary because on the one hand they're always you know uh out foxing and escaping and foiling the plans of their dopey sheriff um, but on the other hand, they're flying the Confederate flag and generally being, you know, uh, white yahoos in the South. So, you well, know, it's a, it's a gray area. <laughs> there was an era during that time, especially in the late 70s, where um, you had like redneck exploitation type films were really popular. Burt Reynolds was in a bunch where it's all like exploitation. Sorry. Yeah. Exploitation. Yeah. Exploitation where it's there's always some kind of like moonshiner plot and trying mm. to dodge the crooked police but the police are always crooked too it's just yeah. a sort of a, like a rebel type of appeal and these were things that were in the drive-in movies a lot so it was you had um and it's like not really relevant to what we're talking about so i'm not gonna like list a bunch of movies but those were kind of the precursor to that so that's kind of where you get dukes of hazard from all those drive-in movies interesting Uh-oh. yeah it's also like there's a really it's like a libertarianism sort of thing where it's like you don't trust the cops and you don't trust the government but you're also not like your sensibilities do not swing liberal your sensibilities swing independent like wildly independent that's a lot of the modern day like Mm. my my boyfriend who I mentioned a lot he's from the southeast and he's like you know I wouldn't consider any of my friends like Republicans, but I would consider all of them like staunchly libertarian um, because they just want their independent civil liberties and they don't want to pay taxes. Right. Well, that, well that's Ron Swanson's. <laughs> exactly. Well, yeah, that, exactly. That's the thing, though, is that libertarians like they may not like governments or police, but they like money and billionaires. And if money and billionaires you know, were to run a government, I feel like the libertarians would be OK with that. It's the um, state of greater Idaho, Andy. Yes, the, the state, state we will all live in soon. Oh no, please, God I no! I am staunchly pro Greater Idaho <laughs> um, because so I want you could just, potholes. And, you could just uh, <laughs> song that um, there's a B-52s song um, where they're singing, "You're living in your own know, private yeah. Idaho." Yeah, I, I like, love oh, Idaho. Yeah, you're living in your own Greater Idaho. Idaho. <laughs> <laughs> Back to anyway. Back to happier things. 
Most people won't even get that reference. Mutter, mutter. Yeah, so we have we have the the ghost of McCastle McDuckula. The one of the things I really liked about this episode is that the purpose for the vacation is that Duckula, Count Duckula wanted to go look for the Loch Ness monster and it ends with But not just cuz he wants to see the Loch Ness monster, it's because the Loch Ness monster if he gets evidence of it is going to make him rich. Right. Well, <laughs> A like, lot. you live in a castle, and you're weighted on hand and foot. You're not sure he fully but you need understands, to go get rich. like, where he's at and what he can do. Like, he's already there. And I don't necessarily, like, he just wants to be famous. Right. And and I think um, I did not rewatch the episodes of Danger Mouse that he's in, but that was uh, part I of read his... up on it, and it's like, he, his, the Dracula in Danger Mouse is much different from Count Duckula, the standalone cartoon. Although I think the desire to be famous was part of the character from the beginning, from what I read. Yeah. That that was part of his, his just, his personality and his motivations. But they again, we didn't watch, very we didn't watch those episodes. And there's also, while we're on the subject, they have revived Danger Mouse, I think, 2017, 2016, they came out with new Danger Mouse cartoons. So there's been like a reboot and they've had a couple Count Decula episodes. So but just there's like a modern version of him now, not on his own series, but one can't help but wonder if maybe, maybe down the road. Yeah, it's, it seems possible. A little bit of Ducky. Be interested in checking that out. Um, anyway, I love that the Loch Ness Monster is involved. And it, and it wraps up with the Loch Ness Monsters watching them at the end. Like they're... Right, they like they take a photo because it's like oh, mm-hmm. I don't remember what it was. They saw vampires or whatever. Yeah, yeah, they're excited and they're kind of behaving like tourists, and I thought that was really cute. It was a nice joke on the whole thing. But I mean, who wouldn't want to go to Loch Ness and go involve go yourself hunting. in some? Yeah, a little, a little. Well, I wouldn't want to hunt, hunt a monster, but it'd be fun to go monster someplace photographing. Mm-hmm. And go to the tourist traps and buy mm. Loch Ness monster souvenirs. I I think that that needs to be in our future. Sure. Drink Maybe when we do our cryptids episodes. Oh yeah. We could do it on location. There we go. Mm. <laughs> Get Nessie to come talk into the microphone and tell us what Nessie's favorite favorite yeah. cryptozoological creature is or favorite television show. Mm-hmm. So, Nessie, what do you think of the X-Files and Big Blue? <laughs> do you know the the monster that lives in, or I think it's Ogopogo is the one that's up in Canada? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And then there's Champ and Lake Champlain. Do you all know each other? Do you send postcards? There's the Crater Lake monster. In I had seven tourists today. They were delicious. I didn't know there was a Crater Lake monster. Uh, kind of. That was a movie. That one's hard. Oh, <laughs> terrible! So terrible! Oh God! A low-budget '60s movie. Um, One of the great things about that movie is you can watch a horrible upload from a VHS or something, and it's so dark you can't see anything. I think we. Awesome. A, lot a lot of it's like, um, nighttime scenes, so it. It's like, okay, it's dark, you can't see, it's nighttime. But 
somebody came by. I don't remember if it was vinegar syndrome or somebody else. And they cleaned up the remastered print. Remastered it and did a super amazing clean print. But because I think they were just using a, like a auto program to do it, they didn't uh, take into account that a lot of it was shot day for night. Oh no. So it auto cleaned it up to the point where all the night scenes just show up as day scenes. Oh. That just the whole atmosphere of the movie. I don't want to necessarily say that was vinegar syndrome though, because they're pretty painstaking yeah, with their restoration. Like so I don't necessarily perfect. think it was them. I don't want to throw them under the bus because they're a really good company. But but if somebody like them, that somebody did yeah cleaned up print. Job. But we. I'm pretty sure we have that on a double feature Blu-ray somewhere. Yeah, we got a lot of weird stuff. Yeah, because why not? It was, it was, we got it for cheap from, from a friend, but yeah, it's, <laughs> it's just, I don't know, the Crater Lake monster. But, you know, you gotta have <laughs> stuff on, um, on physical media, because Crater Lake monster probably won't get transferred to whatever happens after it gets taken down off of YouTube <laughs> or wherever it's streaming now. Yeah. Okay. It's, it's not a Criterion classic, that's for sure. So it's not going to get the Criterion treatment? Uh, although Criterion <laughs> did do um, the Equinox. That movie's terrible. Horrible movie. <laughs> put me to sleep like three different times when I try to watch it. It's on par with Crater Lake Monster. But it say. has its place in history, and it needed to be preserved. Well, it just goes to show you that, like, <laughs> not everything the Criterion <laughs> Collection does is gold. Because they can be, you know, people have criticized them for being selective and exclusionary from right. certain certain films and certain certain regions and things. But And they've done some really great, they've put out some really great um, restorations and things. But there's also some stuff where it's just like... Really? This is of all the films you chose this. Okay. But back to back to Decula. Um which needs a criterion collection. Um, yeah, I don't know. I mean that's that really has to be the Cosgrove Hall films call. Yeah. Um so we 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 should probably wrap up since we keep getting off onto tangents. But I do I do wanna say before we wrap up that this is just something I really enjoyed revisiting and I think there's a lot of layers and there's a lot of great references. Like I said, there's a Rocky horror picture show episode that uh, spoofs on that. There's, there's lots of different other episodes that have fun titles that have, you know, kind of puns or little in jokes. We also watched an episode cause it was just kind of like auto playing where um, they go, they go to an amusement park and get on a, a, um, a roller coaster ride that ends up taking them through different eras of time. Right, that was pretty fun. It's a roller coaster time machine. There's that just was a, fun a lot of interesting surrealism and fun animation happening here. And I forgot to mention this at the beginning, but I feel like I'll, I'll say it now. Um, the Decula family motto is per ardua ad uh, singua, which I've totally just botched, but it is Latin for work hard for blood, which I thought was cool. <laughs> that is great. Except for Count Decula isn't working hard for blood. He's working hard for some V8. Well, not working hard. He's Coincidentally, been... also the Barlow family motto. So weird. Working work hard, hard for, for blood. 
<laughs> I don't know what you what would Latin what would the Latin for for vegetable juice be in place of sangrina for blood? I don't know. I don't know either. But anyway, so that wraps it up. I think for our Count Decula discussion. And if you like retro horror sci-fi themed animation and you haven't checked out our previous episodes. Last year, we went in-depth with several episodes from Cowboy Bebop, and that's an episode that I'm really proud of. We also have covered Scooby-Doo, which was a lot of fun, and we did Courage the Cowardly Dog. So if this is something you like, you know, please check out Count Decula and check out our previous episodes where we talk about animation. We do it at least once a year. I like to set it aside. It's usually kind of around May. We're a little behind schedule this year, but you know, this is a hobby and life happens. So that's where we're at with that. But um, did anybody else have anything they want to add before I talk about what we're going to do next time? Um, my favorite aspect, just like of the, of this most recent episode that we discussed, the McDuckula episode is when they are still trying to uh, convince Count Ducula that they're in a hotel it's like sort of like what you see in Airbnb and you're like that looks great and all of those things are definitely in the house and then you go to a house and you're like this is not this is not <laughs> at all oh no this is not because like they pretend to have like a golf course and it's just like a hole right. in the floor because uh Ducula wants to hit the links and I just thought that was so again like that was the part of the episode that stuck with me and I thought that was so so funny just right. the idea of just like being grifted he and wanted being a like this is a terrible hotel he wanted a classic scottish experience who's gonna play golf and he was I gonna know. go see Nessie, and you had the whole vacation planned and and eager definitely derailed it a and little bit a, a four poster bedroom and he mm -hmm. said there is there's a poster on each wall <laughs> oh. it's like very very literal humor that really resonates with me um having stayed in a lot of uh, Airbnb type things where I was like, well, this was definitely um, different in the ad. So that, that one really stuck with me. I liked that there was a comment in this episode about you need to stable that werewolf. <laughs> All right. Yeah. With the, do you need a hand? Well, he might be hungry. You should get him a leg as well. Yeah. <laughs> Which is, you know, it's kind of, I, I didn't I didn't mention this before, but like some of the humor reminds me of Mel Brooks films, some of the jokes. Yeah. Where it's like it's very literal. It's literal mm -hmm. in that and it's absurd in its um literality. Yeah, I think somebody if somebody enjoyed Young Frankenstein, they would probably get a kick out of this cartoon. It's got some I mean, without the, I mean there's not sexual jokes because it's a cart you know, a kid's cartoon. So there's no there's no, you know, great knockers jokes or singing about <laughs> the sweet mystery of life. At last I found you. Um, but it's it's got that, it's kind of like a kid's version of Mel Brooks humor, I guess I'd say. Which is fun. Mm -hmm. It's a lot of fun. And it doesn't make you feel like, there. there's some really great animation out there that's both for kids and also stuff that's geared just for adults. But sometimes you'll watch a kid's show, like if you're babysitting or you have little ones, you'll watch something and you'll just be like, hmm, this made me less intelligent like this is making my brain feel like mush or whatever you know there's there's some children's content out there that's just very questionable like do you think kids don't have any kind of interest or a brain like why would you just make this garbage and this is totally 
an intelligent and fun show. And if you were watching this with a kid, there are things that you could appreciate as an adult. And so I, I definitely would recommend checking it out. Um, call it a buy. Call it a buy. <laughs> yeah, actually, that's one thing I did not look up is, is where to purchase this physical media. I imagine if you're in the UK, it's probably fairly easy to get your hands on DVDs. I'm not sure about uh, getting a DVD that would be region compatible for the U.S., but there might be something out there. It's probably a lot of VHS. I feel like this probably got a VHS release. I just Google it. Right, yeah. I mean, people can people can look that up. I mean, the people who run run the official Twitter and Facebook might be able to help people find that. So, anyway, we will be gathering in person to record and dun, dun, dun. next time, which is going to be really special for us and also, because we've all been vaccinated. We've all been fully vaccinated at this point, and so after over more than a year, we will be gathering in person, which is crazy because Val joined us over a year ago, and I think you barely got to be in person for recording before I did quarantine hit. But I think maybe two. I think it was two episodes you did. in person. Lizzie, Lizzie Borden was your first episode, and then we did Kolchak, yeah. the night stalker. Yeah, the Night Stalker film. So, um, yeah, so this is, like, this is going to be huge. We're going to all be gathered together, and, you know, we haven't seen, we haven't seen Andy in, like, a year in person. So, it's crazy. I'm excited. I'm looking forward to it. And we are going to cover the 1997 Disney made-for-TV movie, The Tower of Terror. Steve Gutenberg. Yeah, and actually, um, last time I checked, this was uploaded to YouTube to watch. So um, <laughs> as long as that hasn't been removed since when I last looked, I will post a link in our show notes to where you can watch that if you want to watch it in preparation for the show and not have things be spoiled. Because previous to this, the only version that was on YouTube was like a very tiny screen surrounded by a larger screen with like animated stars going by or some such nonsense because copyright issues and Disney plus still does not have this available. So shame on you. Disney you know, plus. YouTube it is. People want their Gutenberg. Yeah. You'll have to break that to Chuck Val. I'm sorry. <laughs> what are we watching? It's on YouTube. On Although YouTube. I think, it's I think it might Gutenberg be a good classic on YouTube. I think it might be a better upload. Of course, actually, we're not we're gonna based on a Disney park ride. We're gonna watch it here because we're gathering in person. We're gonna do old school style, so you don't have to watch it on YouTube because I bought the DVD from Best I Buy. I still might for five dollars. I might make him brush up on it just so you know he's not left out of all of the the witty bants that we do. You know, our like our rapid fire, um, sort Sorkin esque dialogue that we just uh, litter each other with <laughs> wow. during. Movie. <laughs> but you're gonna make him like free. You're gonna have him watch the movie it? before watching the movie. Because we've all already seen it, right? I haven't seen it. Oh well, I I used to watch this all the time. Every time it came on Disney Channel, I loved this movie as a kid. Um, and as a and as a tween. Um, this movie is fantastic, especially like if you have sisters and um just any sort of uh, relationship with sisters, I think it really resonates 
on a Are deeper you level. Are that you have a sibling you would like to zap into the Twilight Zone via an elevator? <laughs> I always no. assumed that I was the charismatic sibling and that everyone else wanted to zap me in an elevator, but compelling. Well, we should save that discussion yeah, this is, for This is going to be a good episode. therapy trip here. Right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so that, that one starts uh, Steve Gutenberg and Kirsten Dunst, and it's going to be a good time and a great way to kick off the summer. So we hope that you will join us next time. We thank you for listening, and we hope you're all staying safe out there. And Again, like I said, join us next time for the Tower of Terror on the Haunted Davenport. And good night. Whatever you are. He's back home by daylight. Dracula. No